This podcast may contain mild language and mild adult humor. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the GatCast, podcasting on all of your favorite games and tech. This is episode five, recorded on April 30th of 2022. Can you believe that we're already going into May? This year's flying by. Anyway, hi, I am Scott of Sir Viper Gaming, and with me, as always, the bold, the beautiful, Roger of Ranger Commander. I wasn't expecting to get some compliments there. Thank you. Hello, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> just sitting there with a, like an old school fan like oh my i've got the vapors <laughs> i damn i say so <laughs> oh man usually this is the part where i would apologize for something something stupid i did uh last week but i didn't do anything stupid so all, everything worked out it was great cue the audience clap track yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll see if i could find something and add it that'd be great just a, woo! Actually, no, 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 no. This is what we do. The golf clap. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's just go right into it. Roger, what are the quick hits for, for today? Well, the quick hits, we have a few. Uh, recently, Disney announced a new game called Dreamlight Valley. Uh, Disney and Gameloft Montreal team up for this life sim game. You arrive in a fictional town to solve problems and do various activities, along with many prominent Disney and Pixar characters. This includes uh, Woody, Buzz, even saw Scar and Ursula. This was just announced this week, and uh, a lot of people are kinning this to Animal Crossing. It has a that sort of feel to it. Scott, you had mentioned something about uh, Gameloft uh, specifically. Gameloft primarily is known for mobile games, actually, which is kind of interesting. They they make Asphalt, which is one of the the bigger like racing series on on like Android, and I believe it's also on iOS. I mean, especially early on in like the 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 early Android days. I mean, they released a metric ton of of classic i don't know about classic maybe that might be giving it too much credit they released an absolute ton of just uh games that sort of like mimic classic video games like for example they also have something called modern combat which is effectively like modern warfare (laughs) oh so yeah uh there was also one named nova that was uh supposed to be like essentially mass effect like they're not bad. They're good quality games, mind you. They're 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 very talented artists and developers, and and the stuff is usually fun. But yeah, I I think what it boils down to is is that GameLoft making a, uh, <laughs> sort of a Animal Crossing ripoff with the Disney license makes sense. Yeah, I did see that this is going to be released on various uh, platforms. So. Uh, we'll be seeing that uh, soon, as well as some more information in the near future. I'll go ahead and take a look at their library, maybe see uh, see what else it is that they have worked on. Sounds good. Speaking of working on, 
In the meanwhile, Xbox has revealed a new Tartan controller. It's a limited edition Series X controller with an authentic Scottish kilt on its faceplate. Xbox and its partner Nicholson Kilt Makers are making these controllers with real tartan fabric. A giveaway is scheduled for the near future. Uh, now, for those of you who are unsure of exactly what tartan is, just like myself when I first read this, uh, tartan is a pattern cloth consisting of crisscross, horizontal, and vertical bands in multiple colors. So basically, this is a uh, traditional pattern that you could see on kilts in general. Aside from the uh, Sonic and Knuckles-themed uh, <laughs> furry controllers that, I don't know if they have come out yet or they will be, uh, this is yet another new type of different controller that has different fabric materials on it, if that makes any sense. Scott, do you have any Scottish background to you? Does this appeal to you? I'm just asking. No. No, I don't. I think I think Tana technically has a little bit of a Scottish background, but no, uh, funny enough, in, in my heritage, it's actually Irish, not Scottish, so that means that this is a natural enemy of mine. <laughs> 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 no, no, I, I kid, of course. I mean, it, it's cool. You know, I think more themed controllers is always fun, you know, especially if you're looking for that sort of thing. Uh, it just depends on the quality of it. I don't know if I've uh, if I've seen a picture of this thing yet, So, but it'll be interesting. You know what's funny is you mentioned the fuzzy controllers. That giveaway ends today. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll find out eventually uh, who gets those, and hopefully they take pictures of that and put it online. Where one giveaway ends, another will soon begin. I, I will say I think it is going to be quite different in terms of what this might do to your palms. I think tartan might be a lot more complementary to the skin versus the mm-hmm. furry <laughs> controllers. Probably won't make you sweat. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not as much, no. Probably not as much, no. But speaking of which, don't sweat this, guys. Uh, some of Bethesda's classic Elder Scrolls RPGs are free on Steam. Bethesda has announced that its launcher is going to see an end soon. So games such as the Elder Scrolls Arena, the Elder Scrolls Daggerfell, and Wolfenstein Enemy Territory are actually available for free on Steam. Also, the Elder Scrolls Redguard and the Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire are available for $5.99. While the launcher will cease its activities on May 11th, you will be able to transfer any games you purchased on it to Steam along with your saves and whatever may be left within your Bethesda wallet. You can find more details on how that will work on Bethesda's website. And I know I told you this before, but I had no idea that Bethesda actually had a launcher. Yeah, Bethesda started their launcher sort of around the same time as like Ubisoft with their Uplay and EA had Origin and all, all these like micro launchers basically came out in a way to like try to sell their own games without dealing with the, with the um, the cut that steam would get mm-hmm. and then epic games came out and just basically took all the attention away from just all of those launchers and now a lot of those are bundled into steam's games anyway so it doesn't really need to exist uh but yeah a fortnite essentially killed the bethesda launcher <laughs> in a way if this is the end product of it and we get some uh, sweet, free classic RPG games uh, from Bethesda, especially like in the in the form of Elder Scrolls, I'm down. That's cool. Yeah, it was just a neat little thing to be able to find this week. And just to let folks know, I checked before we started the show and they are still free. So 
when this, <laughs> as of as of today, they are still free. So uh, if you can, hop onto Steam, and if you're looking to play some classic Elder Scrolls and a classic Wolfenstein game, definitely go go forward and check those out. Well, you know what was funny when we did the Amazon thing. It was live the day that we recorded the show. Yes. And it stopped going live when we released the show. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. So, yeah, a little <laughs> awkward. But I don't I don't think this is going to happen. I, I think these games will primarily be free for a while. All right. Well, we'll move on to the first topic of the day. The chip shortage may be ending soon. One of the biggest issues to the tech and video game industry ever since the pandemic began two years ago has been the semiconductor chip shortages, and that may end soon. Information gathered by Reuters suggests that changes in the stock status of the biggest semiconductor companies, including Intel and Qualcomm, uh, will lead to increased availability. Reuters further theorizes that there may be a surplus due to these companies completing production expansion projects in response to the demand. While consoles saw less of a priority for these chips stuck behind things like cars and appliances, we are seeing brick-and-mortar retailers recently turn out more, both in-store and online. So, I think the chip shortage technically goes before the pandemic. We started seeing the chip shortage back in, like, 2018, 2019. Um, But it was mostly Intel that was running into issues because they were primarily the ones that were developing uh, processors for... Uh, for servers, for um, laptops, business laptops to be specific, and, and so there was a lot of uh, a lot of issues when we were trying to order uh, laptops in bulk because of that chip shortage. That bled into the pandemic. So technically, and I don't mean to correct the article, uh, technically that started pre-pandemic. The pandemic just didn't help things. It made it incredibly worse. But yeah, no, I I think we're we're definitely seeing more chips being produced, which is great. And I think that's for, I think we're seeing a stock available for two reasons. One, there's more chips being created. And two, the problem has persisted for so long that there is not as much interest in these consoles as there were like a year ago. So there, you know, whoever has it, has it, whoever wants it, well, they're going to benefit now. And then there's a bunch of people that just gave up. So Roger, what do you, what do you say about all that? Yeah, so another note about this particular article is that because Microsoft and Sony have had to essentially adapt to the shortages, basically development for a lot of their newer titles has become cross-gen versus exclusive to their new consoles. So you're completely right. Folks who were probably waiting, they're in a couple camps. Either they're just going to pass on it for now, or they are uh, uh, going to take advantage of this new uh, wave that is coming out and try to find one. Hopefully, we won't end up in a similar situation as before, where you have all these scalpers utilizing bots just to be able to snag these things so quickly. Uh, I don't know what type of not security, but uh, measures are put in place to make sure that that sort of thing does not occur. Uh, I mean, regardless, more chips is a good thing in general. That means that there are more uh, there are more video cards for upgrading PCs, more pre-built PCs that could be made uh, for avid 
PC gamers who are looking to get more performance and power uh, as the new generations come out. And of course, for people who are looking to get the new Xbox and PlayStation, we're going to be able to actually see them potentially on store shelves, if not, you know, behind uh, the counter as uh, Best Buy typically does. So I see it as good news, and I certainly hope that folks will be able to get their mitts on a lot of these soon. Oh, for sure. I think the bot situation was obviously taking advantage of the situation, especially with the pandemic. Uh, you know, they're there was not as much availability and they knew that they were going to be able to get a hell of an upcharge on that. But that really boils down to like the individual retailers being smarter about that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously the pandemic forced a lot of people to change in how they, they dealt with high valued items. You know, one of the biggest things that I can think of off the top of my head was micro center. I mean, micro center just flat out would stop selling graphics cards online. You had to go in the store in order to buy graphics cards. They wouldn't sell them online. Uh, purely because they were worried about bots and at least then like they could physically see the customer they know that they're you know only selling one to the customer and whenever they had like those long lines everyone got like some sort of like number and then that way they were able to track it better uh you had stuff like so like even sony was doing this themselves sony and newegg had like a lottery system where like at some point in time you would be able to log in and you would get a number and you would have to essentially wait in line for your chance to buy uh, one of the items online, very similar to like if you were in an online retailer store, and you were only able to buy one. That's actually how I got my PlayStation 5, was because I went through that that Sony Direct uh, system to essentially buy it. And they would not let you buy more than one. Like you, It was one per household. I think people have gotten smarter about it. It's really going to depend on the availability. I think once we get to a point where it's more widely available, some of those measures will probably be dropped purely because they'll be looked at as unnecessary. But we'll see how it goes. Obviously, with the pandemic sort of in its endemic state and companies are starting to re restock their, their factories with people and, and parts and stuff like that, we, we should see an end to the, to the chip shortage or at least a slowdown of it. And we'll see a lot more of these products come out, especially in vehicles, because technically in Canada, you can't even buy a new vehicle right now. Almost all new vehicles that are shipped to Canada are sold. So it'll be good to see that shift as well, especially for the Canadian people. Indeed. All right. Moving on to uh, some confusing news. The fifth Call of Duty Modern Warfare is called Modern Warfare 2. Not to be confused with Modern Warfare 2. There will be a new Call of Duty game this year. It's Infinity Ward's turn up to bat, and we've known for a while that its next game was going to be a sequel to the 2019 Modern Warfare game, which is sort of a reboot of the original Modern Warfare game. Today, Infinity Ward formally announced the game's name along with the logo, Modern Warfare 2. If you're thinking, wait, Activision already used that name the last time there was a second Modern Warfare game, you would be correct. Just as Modern Warfare confusingly mimicked the name of the 2007 Call of Duty game that kicked off its popularity, the new Modern Warfare 2 has an identical twin, Modern Warfare 2, which came out in 2009. There obviously will be some naming confusion, as this is a sequel to the Modern Warfare remake. However, some people called the old game just Call of Duty 4, so distinguishing between them isn't too bad. Not the case when it comes to Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, versus Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. 
There's just two different sequels with the exact same name. So that leaves one question, Roger. Why? Why would they do this? This could be... I mean, EA did it before with Medal of Honor. Uh, They came out with a modern Medal of Honor. I want to say... Ooh, I want to say back in 2012, maybe? And uh, that obviously was not to be confused with the original Medal of Honor. But we've seen this sort of thing so many times before, even with movie remakes, right? Where there could be a complete remake or a reboot for a movie that was made in the 80s or the 90s, but then re-released in the 2000s or 2010s. And it's literally just the same name. I think I think that could be it, that they just don't have to go through another hurdle or waste time on having to come up with uh, you know the however long the process is to do the trademark. It is confusing nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only example that I thought of off the top of my head uh, of something like this was the rampant amount of Spider-Man reboots that we've gotten over the past 20, 30 years. Uh, But even then, I think they're fairly good about distinguishing from each other. Because, like, if you look at the Sam Raimi films, I mean, those were all essentially just Spider-Man, right? I mean, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Uh, And then the next series after that, I don't remember who did that, but those were called The Amazing Spider-Man. So it was, you know, there was at least something that, that changed the name of it. And then with the more recent Spider-Man movies, they've been doing sort of the, uh, instead of numbering them, uh, they all have like a subtitle, right? Like obviously the most latest one is No Way Home. Uh, so it's, it's just, there, there was always something to sort of change the name enough to make you realize, oh, this is a separate film entirely. I can't think of any video games, at least off the top of my head. And, and maybe this is a question we pose to the audience. If you think of anything, by all means, uh, let us know. I can't think of anything where this is a situation where they essentially are just going, well, I mean, what's the next game going to be? Modern Warfare 3? Oh, let's go ahead and do that. That'll be great. Uh, it's weird. It's really weird. We talked about an example before the show, too, about the Xbox, where when the 360 was out, everyone referred to the classic Xbox as, as, as the Xbox One, because it was the first one. And then Microsoft went on and, and did a press conference about the new console, the Xbox One. So then all these people were like, oh, no, what the heck? We can't call it that anymore. So everyone resorted to calling the Xbox One the X-Bone. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's strange. But the thing is, is that obviously because of the popularity of, of Modern Warfare games, I mean, this is going to sell like hotcakes regardless. Yeah, I- I'm sure it definitely will sell. I mean, obviously, I'm not a Call of Duty guy. So <laughs> even even I know that this is going to, regardless of the title, sell to the general audience all right when we come back we're going to talk about audacity releasing its app on microsoft store because there were just too many fakes on there and then on top of that we're going to talk about the warner brothers discovery media company merger thingy majigger that's going to affect all the things that you love whether you like it or not (laughs) so after this music break we will be right back
and we are back. All right, that song is called Defiance by a band called Death by Technology, and the voice of that screaming person uh, happens to be me. So if you really like the track, I personally would really like it if you would check it out. Uh, we'll have a link down below to the Spotify playlist for it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, a little musical break by yours truly, if you will. This is where you shower me in compliments and say how great the song is and how you can't live without it. And Yo, let's go. It, it was a CD. <laughs> you went the gamer route. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let's go. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, Roger. Yes. What are you playing, watching, listening to, all that fun stuff? So, primarily, what I have been playing, I actually managed to hop on to do some multiplayer with Elden Ring, and Ooh. I uh, got through the third target. I know, like, there's there's some, what's the word I'm looking for? Flexibility in who you could possibly target at some point in the game. I went up against Rodan, not to be confused with Godzilla's enemy took him down so now i'm kind of left to my own devices at the moment uh but i did have some help from a couple of friends because again i am a severe noob when it comes to soulsborne games soon to be playing uh i will be uh dming a session for some of my streamer friends in may we are yet to come up with a, a weekend on when we're going to do that but soon uh we will be uh, and I mean, just in general, I've been playing D&D both with you and also DMing for you as well. Yeah, yeah. Listening, I have found a new uh, a new group, a new like uh, epic soundtrack group that uh, uh, Hypersonic Music, uh, these guys are pretty good. There's a, uh, a channel on YouTube called Epic Music World, and they debuted this. I listened to it. And I thought, man, this is awesome. So uh, I, I just use this for whenever I do some more writing for various projects and whatnot. So cool, cool. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's... Uh, oh, well, and of course, just before we started, I was playing Vampire Survivors and I managed to actually beat a level, so... <laughs> hey, let's go. Yeah. How about you? Uh, anything, that, anything else uh, that you might be listening to, playing, watching? Manifesting. Summoning. And I, anyway, uh, <laughs> I uh, I've actually been doing a lot of D and D this week, and I mean a lot of it. There, there's as we were mentioned before, you know, there's there's the games that you and I are in, but I also was in a live D and D session over at the Mighty Beards YouTube channel, uh, which we actually had a little bit of an advertisement for in last week's episode. If you heard, Ooh. it was a lot of fun. It was actually the first time I got a chance to play a barbarian. And so I made a Warforged Barbarian character named Obsidian. And the crux with his character is that because he's a Warforged, he doesn't have his own innate ability to rage. People have to say, like, the kill command, basically, to make him rage. So there was funny little spots where, like, in the middle of combat, the other two members of my party ran off to chase someone down, but forgot to make me rage. So I'm just sitting there, like, taking all these hits from all these different guys. And I'm like, it would be really nice if I could rage right now. <laughs> but I couldn't. It's just how, how we designed the character. So that was a lot of fun. I, I liked that a lot. I liked playing a barbarian, man. Especially when we got to the last boss. And I'm just, like, pounding this guy to the ground like a pool of bloody pulp. It was great. 
I actually got a chance to play a little bit of Town of Salem with one of my buddies, and uh, we were just in in there, just messing with folks. Uh, nobody from the cult of Forky was on, so it was just a brand new uh, group of people that I was messing with. It was a lot of fun, though. Listening, I have actually been listening to a new band called Vola, which they're not new themselves, but uh, I found them on Spotify. They're like an industrial metal band, but the vocal style is is not, like, it's not harsh. There's no, like growling or anything they use a lot of like um vocoders and uh, just a lot of clean vocals and at first you don't think that that would work but when you hear the music it's really really good i honestly it's it's mind-blowing to me how good it is so i would definitely recommend it if you're into that sort of style of music and maybe if you don't like the harsher style of vocals like you heard during our music break uh vola would actually be a very good band to check out to see if you like uh, and that's pretty much it for me, man. Nice. Uh, if you could actually link me that, I wouldn't mind listening to some of that and see how that looks. You got it, buddy. So moving on to our third topic for the day, Audacity releases on Microsoft Store to counter the, quote, ludicrous number of fakes. Audacity is a piece of free audio software that, for many, is one of those go-to programs. We even use it here at GatCast to record our audio individually at our respective homes. It's easy to use, flexible, free, and does everything a normal user needs from a piece of PC-oriented audio software. It is impossible to know precisely how many users Audacity has had over the years, but it has at minimum been downloaded over 300 million times since its release in May of 2000. Software that is popular means one thing, clones. In Audacity's case, clones that aim to take advantage of customers who don't realize Audacity is a free piece of software and masquerade as the real deal in order to scam $4.99 from you. Audacity itself wasn't on the Microsoft Store, which was arguably part of the problem. That's now changed, with the people behind the software realizing that the flood of fakes was getting ridiculous. Martin Curie, I hope I said that right, aka Tantacruel, hope I said that right, is the current head of product at Audacity and took to Twitter to comment on the software's release. Quote, Due to the ludicrous number of fake Audacities on the Microsoft Store, which charge users for non-functional or very limited applications, I've now, finally, taken the name back and have published the proper free version for the first time. Clones of popular software are never going to go away. It's up to storefronts, somehow, to work out how best to filter them. So when I actually saw this, it immediately hit. It's like, oh, hey, we use this, and I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure many other people uh, use this as well. So uh, this would actually be something good to uh, mention for the uh, podcast. Oh yeah, I mean, I I remember we when I was in a band called Aggressor, and this was back in maybe 2005. We actually used Audacity to record a demo. Because it was just one, it was free, obviously, which is fantastic. And then there was a, a guy that helped us out as far as micing up our equipment and stuff. And our our second demo was made out of Audacity. And one of the things that we loved about it was just how simple it was to use. It's very like just a couple settings, click record, and boom, there you go. Uh, I've personally used Audacity for some of my my audio tracks that I've worked on. And then obviously almost every podcast that I've ever been on, whenever we do something like this where it's pre-recorded, uh, we would use Audacity to record our audio just because, again, it's it's simple. You can anybody can use the software. It's so good in that sense that like 
like Roger, how long did it take you to set up Audacity to start recording? Not long at all. I would say like less than 10 minutes, probably less than five. And what would you rate yourself as as far as like a, a recording uh, engineer? I mean, would you say that you're on the pleb scale or would you say that you're a pro? I wouldn't pat myself on the back too much. You know, there's there are still like some things <laughs> that I'm tinkering with and learning when it comes to this. So, you know, I, I'd say I'm a beginner, not a pro. So you're a pleb. Just say you're a pleb. I'm a pleb. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm, I'm messing with you, of course. But no, I mean, one of the beauty of Audacity, and this has been something that I've seen when my own personal experiences with all the different podcasts that I've done, is that it you don't really have to teach people to use it. It's very straightforward. I just link them to it, say, hey, you press the record button, just make sure it's set to your mic, and boom, there you go. It's it's not hard software to use. So naturally, if they don't have it in certain stores, and the Microsoft store used to serve Microsoft phones as well, which is why I think we see some of this stuff, that makes sense to me why there would be so many people that would try to take advantage of software that is, is so widely known and so easily accessible and, and so you know, it's so good. Um, obviously, anyone like myself is saying the praises of Audacity for years. So if you're not familiar with where to get it and you, you, you know, type a search for it in, in the Microsoft store, you're going to find these clones. And it sucks that, you know, they, they've ripped people off with this. But it's good on, on the team to get that software on the store. Because I know I personally, if I was looking for a piece of software, if I saw that there was a paid version and then there was one that was free... I'm going to go for the free one. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's well-received, I mean, why wouldn't you? And uh, mm -hmm. clones are actually just one of the problems. This just actually just came to mind. It was how some potential scammers might, uh, you know, do some mild advertising online and just put a phone number out there and make it seem like as if they're customer service. So if someone isn't understanding a particular program that is popular, like, say, Audacity, and they call that phone number, it's like, oh, yeah, we can resolve this for you for $4.99, $9.99, whatever. And, uh, yeah, they, that it's, it's a good move to be able to just get onto an official storefront versus having that potential issue. Yeah, for sure. Just out of curiosity, I went ahead and I went on the Microsoft Store to see like as, if there's been any changes since this article has been released. Mm -hmm. One of them, one of the clones that is, is currently you could save three ninety nine and download it for free right now. <laughs> what a deal! <laughs> I don't know how that benefits them at all, but what a deal! But yeah, I mean, you got Audio Editor Base Audacity for Windows, $4.99. You got Audio Editor Pro using Audacity, $4.99. Audio Editor Pro Audacity Portable, $4.99. Like, it, it's wild to me. And like, don't get me wrong, this stuff is... Stuff like this happens a lot, especially on Android and iOS, where there's little oversight for stuff like this, and companies don't really do the research to see if the code is original they'll they'll just put it on the store because they're going to make a they're going to make a profit off of it right they're going to get a little bit of that kickback for every sale yeah but it's just it's just mind-boggling to me to see stuff like this like and they're using the audacity logo they're they're blatantly ripping it off like it's <laughs> it's so obvious yeah and you see that in uh mobile gaming too i think it was oh man oh game loft with modern combat <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, using assets. Like, there's this one, I forget what the game is, 
but they basically use art assets from cyanide and happiness in their advertising oh wow the, you know what uh another good example of this is minecraft i mean there's so many different minecraft clones on uh android on ios i mean hell i remember there was a minecraft clone on xbox live arcade that you couldn't like buy and play and it was literally just they ripped the assets from minecraft <laughs> to make a, a block breaking game it's, it was so stupid and it was on Xbox Live. You literally buy the game and download it on your console. It's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it it just goes to show that some folks like that they will blatantly put things up on an IP owner's storefront just in order to test them and see if they can get away with it. And it's perplexing to say the least. But also really annoying, especially when you see just how many clones and ripoffs there are out there. That's kind of sad. So I do hope that, you know, Microsoft and Apple take this and, and think about maybe doing better quality assurance for their storefronts and seeing if something is blatantly a ripoff. Take it down. Another thing I noticed during the uh, when I was looking at the Microsoft store on Windows, at least, there's no way to report an app. If the app is malicious or if there's anything wrong with it, I don't see a button that blatantly allows me to report the app. Really? That's that's bizarre. Why why would you not have that functionality? I see share, I see gift, but I, I'm looking at this page right now. I got one of the fake audacities open, and I don't see means to report the app. What, why? Why would you not have that as an option? Do they have a ticket system where you can... Like just scroll down to the page, and they should have like like some sort of like support option. There's a send feedback option, and that's about it. And you know they're not looking at that stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not looking at that. Yeah, no, that's not the same as like an, a ticket function where you can actually report something. Huh. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to right click it on when I'm looking at the, like the list of all the different apps. There's nothing there when I click into it and there's there's no option. There was like a flag and I'm like, oh, OK, maybe I could flag something as inappropriate. No, when you click on it, it says contains spam or advertising, contains profanity or contains offensive content. I think it's for the review. I don't think it's actually for the application. So they don't have any means in which to report the uh, the app as a clone. That's a problem. Yeah, because, I mean, at that point, it's like, how are folks supposed to know? I mean, you know, some folks, rather, are supposed to know if this is not the real deal or has ill intentions. No kidding. That's That's got to change. I'm, I don't know enough about iPhones, obviously, to suggest if iPhones have something similar. I'm pretty sure Android does only because i remember seeing something along those lines but it just it seems like that would be common sense to actually have some way to report an app well, hopefully that could be something that they look into later to actually add to the store because that i would think <laughs> i would think that that's something that should be essential for a storefront yeah something that isn't bizarre uh is our main topic for for the day Warner Brothers may reportedly sell some of their gaming studios. Xbox, EA, and Sony are interested. 
Warner Brothers Discovery is reportedly planning to sell off some of its gaming studios and IPs to major players in the industry. This isn't the first time this rumor has come about. In the summer of 2020, there were rumblings that Warner Brothers was considering selling off some of its gaming divisions. At that time, it was rumored that Xbox was interested in making a deal with Warner Brothers. Of course, nothing came of it, but it's not particularly surprising that Microsoft was willing to reach into its deep pockets to acquire some of WB's property. It sounds like this could potentially materialize as a reality now. According to Fanbyte's Imran Khan, Warner Brothers Discovery may be, quote, shopping their game studios and licensed IP, like Batman, Superman, Harry Potter, around the industry. Khan noted that major industry names such as Microsoft, Sony, Electronic Arts, Take-Two, and more are all interested in acquiring these teams. It's unclear if Warner Brothers would keep any IP or teams for itself or would sell everything in bulk. It's also equally unclear if it would be willing to divide up IP and studios to different buyers. Either way, Khan stated he doesn't have enough information to confidentially write up a, an official report, so this should be taken with a grain of salt. When the Warner Brothers Discovery deal merger was completed earlier this month, a report came out talking about the potential plans for the future of the company. In that report, it was noted that Warner Brothers Discovery wanted to bolster its gaming division, suggesting it would invest more into games based on properties like DC. No new AAA games have been announced since the merger was complete, so we have no concrete insight into the company at the moment. It's possible that Warner Brothers Discovery saw the interest in other companies taking on its brands in 2020 and felt it could be a worthwhile move, but there's no telling right now. So yes, this is not a new thing. Uh, Warner Brothers has been seeing its gaming division uh, not as a liability, but more as like, it could do better. But unfortunately, that has come with the idea of, well, why don't we just sell some of these IPs and studios and whatnot? So uh, while it's not an entirely new concept that they are exploring... Uh, I am wondering exactly how they might execute this. Are they going to go the route of like a full-scale buyout? Everything must go in one single swoop? Or are they going to divvy everything up, much like what happened with THQ many years ago, where different companies put up bids and straight up bought different IPs and studios, and now those IPs and studios are under their banner? So, Scott, you submitted this. I imagine you have some commentary to give on this. Oh, yeah. Um, this isn't similar to the situation that we saw when, like, Microsoft purchased Act Activision Blizzard. Like, in that situation, whenever a company buys another company, it becomes more of a subsidiary. And in those situations, usually Activision Blizzard is allowed to operate fairly under normal standards uh, or whatever their company standards are. Obviously, there's a lot more oversight from the ownership company. But for the most part, not a lot changes the further down the ladder you go. In this situation, when there's a merger, however, mergers corporate-wise gets very messy. Because then you have folks that are sort of in similar titles, and therefore they need to shift people around a little bit to either fill new roles that needs to exist because of the merger, or people lose their jobs. I mean, just to be completely blunt about it. Uh, so mergers are very messy. And whenever stuff like this happens... There's a lot of shifting uh, in interests that happen because there may be new people in, sp in specific roles. Uh, it, it just becomes a very different beast, effectively. Uh, 
I'm bringing this up purely because uh, it's it's interesting to me. Uh, but back when AOL and Time Warner merged, that created a, a huge uh, change in the entertainment culture, which ultimately led to the death of WCW, which is an old wrestling company that uh, was very big during the late 90s. Not so much in the early two, very early 2000s, um, but still would have been profitable should it have existed. They they could have turned things around, but they never got the opportunity because the company was owned by Time Warner. And it, when AOL came in, there was no interest to have uh, wrestling programming uh, on their televisions anymore. So it literally killed a global company during that merger. AEW kind of sees a similar concern because obviously they are on TNT and TBS, which is part of uh, Warner Brothers. And so Warner Brothers Discovery comes in, and if they say they don't like wrestling on their programming, they could see a very similar fate. Um, Tony Khan's a very smart guy, the guy that owns AEW. Uh, I don't imagine it would kill the company outright. They would probably just shop around for other TV deals. But AEW is so successful and so large it's possible to even see them see the effects of a merger like this. So now I've gone to a very long-winded way of saying, we don't know what's going to happen. Because <laughs> obviously they they see the value of their IPs and they're going to want to see what, what what can we get from these? What, what can we put into our profit margin right now? And if they got Xbox and Sony and EA willing to throw millions or billions of dollars for these IPs, they're, of course they're going to tease the idea of it. But will they do it? It depends on what they see the long-term value of this stuff as. And, you know, Warner has some excellent IPs. Uh, like in, like the article mentioned, Batman and Superman. DC Comics are still very big right now. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter, still very big right now. Mm-hmm. I, I You know, these are all profitable IPs, so it makes sense for them to think long-term. Will we make money in five to ten years with these IPs, or will it be better to sell it off now? And I think that's where we're at. We're just they're at the teasing stage where they're talking to these companies, seeing what the value is, the immediate value, and then comparing it to their long term value. Yeah, and actually another idea just came up to, that just came to mind as well. Not just uh, you know if WB is considering uh, selling everything in one go or selling everything in bits and everybody gets like one or two ips what about pulling a disney move where you have an ip but instead of developing the games yourself putting your money into it you just give the licensing to somebody else just like what disney did with ea and star wars basically that publisher slash developer is uh they have the uh, exclusive rights to basically make games of that IP. That could also be an option that might be on their mind. Now, hopefully, for AEW's growth, this won't be like a huge uh, negative, and that instead they would actually see that as a see that as a promotion that they would be able to say, you know what, let's keep the game going and. Uh, see where it grows from there because AEW is doing a lot of good moves uh recently and uh they survived the uh first year of the pandemic um yeah. so i would i would ideally like to see that because 
WWE can't be the only wrestling promotion out there. There has to be like some competition in the sphere. And AEW has proved to be that particular answer. Them getting a video game would just uh, raise their profile that much more. Oh, yeah. Well, to be clear, this has nothing to do with the video game. Uh, I don't think the video game would be affected by this at all. Uh, because AEW is not owned by Warner Brothers. They have a television deal with them. Ah, right, right. So uh, all, all that Warner Brothers does, essentially, is allow AEW programming on TNT and TBS. Uh, but if Discovery says they don't want their programming whatsoever on their television uh, channels, then AEW has to shop around for new channels to put their programming on. Which, you know, obviously... If nobody can watch your content, that's a that's a huge killer, right? That that could really be a problem for your business. I don't think that has anything to do with Warner Brothers. So video games safe, it's the television programming that's in trouble. Gotcha. And they certainly don't want to end up in a situation where they go the uh, uh, TNA impact route, where basically they are hopping from one channel to another, hoping that somebody yeah. is going to host their content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, TNA had a huge problem with that for a long time. They were bouncing between networks, you know, basically just hoping to God somebody would keep them. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, we just ended up in some wrestling talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we will see how this uh, potential selling, whether it's directly of IPs and studios or the rights to be able to work on these IPs and studios will go in the near future. Uh, I think maybe one thing that they would end up doing is possibly an auction of these various studios and IPs, and rather than just have one company swoop in and take everything, they would probably just have everything lined up one by one and just have these publishers bid on them. So... It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. And, you know, personally, I am hoping that Warner Brothers might keep a few because a lot of these IPs are still pretty hot, like you mentioned, like DC Comics and Harry Potter. Um, at the end of the day, I just hope that nobody will end up losing their jobs over this. I don't think that'll happen. I mean, it's especially if you have a company like Microsoft or Sony that buys it out. I mean, those, those are some deep pockets. I think they're if they if they buy any of the the studios themselves, uh, I think they'll be in good hands for the most part. I mean, it, it just really depends on on what the the future holds for these companies. It's as far as like what what do they have in in the back end? What do they have uh, being worked on? Uh, do they see value in these projects? And that's really what, what it's going to come down to. If they do any sort of auction style thing, it'll probably be like a silent auction, which effectively just means that they're looking for bids and the higher bidder wins naturally. It's it, they're, they're not going to obviously have some, some dude with a big old Texas hat coming here. All right, I got $1 million, $1 million, Sony to go. I got $1 million over there. All right, we got $2 million, $2 million, Microsoft, $2 million, $2 million. Yeah, they're not going to have somebody do that, obviously. But um, it would most likely be silent auction style where they're like, all right, what do you think the value is for this? And then whoever has the highest value, they'll sell it to. Um, but I, I don't think that'll happen. I, I genuinely think that they're basically looking for interest and then in turn using that data for their own means. 
they're they're going to primarily use that data to find out what the value is and then we'll see what the long term is and i think if if everything lines up right they probably will do more to invest in gaming rather than sell it off but it all depends on what the long term looks like because again as we mentioned many times before as a company your role is to make money right and you do that with products so but i mean it's it's very exciting times especially when you consider how much uh in in the video game industry warner brothers has you know i mean i think we talked about this before the show i mean another realm studios is, is warner brothers interactive um and that is technically something that is potentially going to shift if uh there is some sort of sale that happens through warner brothers discovery so it, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how how things shift and uh, i think this is definitely something that we'll have to have our uh we'll have to have our eyes on and track as as the uh stories come out from this yeah i, I think i do i think i do agree with that assessment that you just made possibly what they're doing is testing the waters seeing what these publishers think of their ips and studios gather the data from it and then possibly see about doing the uh the dark auction so to speak uh later on i mean i think that was the method that thq effectively did when they dissolved years ago and uh were selling off their ips so um like you said we shall you see you know and weren't we just weren't we just talking about recently about warner brothers working on like a smash clone yes I wonder how that's going to change if all the IPs get sold off. That would be really. Is it going to kill that game? Uh, hopefully, hopefully not. But I could definitely see the situation being awkward. Maybe, maybe what they would probably do is just see how the year turns out and then make a final decision for next uh, for next year. Um, because it it does sort of feel like they're just testing the waters right now. Again, not to repeat phrases, but. It really does just feel like they're seeing what the general impression is from the video game uh, industry to see what do you guys think about our IPs and how far you know do you think that you can go with these IPs and these studios? You know, what's the value to of it to you? So mm-hmm. perhaps with a project like that, they might just hold off, and especially and also with the new Harry Potter game coming out as well. I can't remember if it's been yeah. delayed until next year, but I know. Uh, I know that possibly there was going to be a release this year. Um, so maybe maybe they will see just how 2022, the rest of it goes. Quarter, you know, we're, we're still in quarter two, but we will be entering quarter three soon enough. Um, yep. We'll see how the last two go for them, and then maybe next year they will make a final decision. Yeah, I mean, this is all very new. Obviously, this merger completed this month. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that the company needs to do, like I mentioned earlier, about um, getting rid of redundancy roles, trying to figure out specifically where they can shift certain talent to. Uh, Mergers are messy business. They're very messy. So I don't foresee any major changes happening, at least for another couple months, just because they're going to have to figure out internally what they're looking like uh, and who's going to be able to make these kind of decisions. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm definitely interested to see uh, the progression of the story. Yes, and if we hear anything else, uh, we will certainly let you guys know of it as well. Yeah, that that brings it to the the end of the show. This is the end of it all. Anyway, uh, (laughs) 
All right. If you uh, like the show, obviously through your respective podcast, uh, I almost said podcast vendor. That's not technically <laughs> accurate. Uh, if you, <laughs> that's not right. Uh, <laughs> depending on where you download our podcast from, if they have a review system that gives it gives you the ability to do a thumbs up or a thumbs down, hey, you know it would be helpful if you gave us a review. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. All that fun stuff. We we really do love feedback, and it would help us a lot. Uh, and of course, you can find our website over at www.gatcast.com. You can find my YouTube channel over at youtube.com. I'm, ooh, I almost messed up that. Uh, YouTube.survivorgaming.com. Uh, Roger is over at twitch.tv slash rangercommander. Uh, we, we still need to get him affiliate, so please click that link in the description, and, and let's help him out there. Uh, and of course, last, most certainly not least, we are on Discord at discord.getcast.com. Join in on the conversation. Tell us in person what you think of the show. We'd love to hear it. And with that said, I have been Scott of Surviper Gaming. And this is Roger, a.k.a. Ranger Commander. And we are out of here. Have a good one, y'all. Goodbye. Goodbye.